Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. episode is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. So it is a little bit of a longer episode, but I'd love it if you can um, listen in while you're on a walk or even speed us up a little bit. Tanya and I touch on what body image is, um, how it can impact our mental health, the prevalence of which I was really surprised, even though I have personally um, experienced poor body image at many times in my life that I can recall. And I do see a lot of it come up with the women that I work with. It just seems to be the norm, but I still was very shocked at the statistics on Um, poor body image and how can I'm really interested in how can I as a fitness trainer and a coach promote better body image amongst my clients friends and community and so I hope you really enjoy this and I would love to hear from you if you have anything to add to the discussion or if you'd like to hear about a particular topic from us in future so enjoy thank you Tanya, thanks for joining us again. Um, I'm joined by a Tanya Atley, registered psychologist. Today, we've spoken on a few topics before on the podcast, and today I've asked Tanya to jump on to talk about body image. Um, And this is down to my own personal experience and struggles with this, but also seeing how poor body image uh, can impact many of the clients that I work with. Um, In particular, women, I mostly work with women, but I am aware that um, it's something that men struggle with too. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you. I'm really excited to be talking to you today about body image. Um, It's interesting that you said about, um, I guess, your experiences um, around body image, certainly with females. Um, I came across a very interesting statistic that um, around about 96 percent of females will report that they don't like their body or something they would like to change about their body 96 percent six percent I knew it was very common but that is scary and I well scary because I know that personally having negative thoughts about how my body looks at a particular time or um wanting to check or yeah having a negative or or what worrying about what other people might think about my body has in the past and sometimes still today um stopped me from living my life the way that I would really like to and that could be down to wearing certain clothes participating in certain things or even having my photo taken so I regret a lot of those instances. I still work on this myself, but you know, to hear that 96% of women 
are pretty much in, you know, holding themselves back potentially from living their best life because of poor body image is really sad. Yeah, look, I think it, we can take a lot from that statistic. Certainly, yeah, my initial reaction to that is very similar to yours. Um, a bit, you know, eye-opening um, and a little bit sad, really. I think the other thing it kind of really highlights is that having these kind of negative thoughts about ourselves and our bodies are actually hugely common. So it's kind of like the other side of the, the sadness is that we can almost feel like we should be able to have conversations about body image if a lot of us are actually feeling those same negative thoughts about ourselves, but we're just not sharing them with others, whether it's, you know, through shame or embarrassment or whatever that might be. Um, maybe it's more it's more normal than we realize and obviously our goal is to have more positive kind of body image and positive thoughts about ourselves Um, but maybe we can look at that and also use that as motivation to go well maybe we should be having more conversations about body image so that people don't necessarily feel alone um, in what they're going through that's true um I thought we might open um, before we go right into it. And I do want to talk today about strategies we can use potentially or um, ways of thinking that we can use to kind of move away from, I guess, a poorer body image. But can you start by defining body image for us? Sure, sure. Um, so happy to define body image. I'm, I will just quickly mention, um, I, I, I guess, a bit of a trigger warning uh, at the start here. So... Um, some of the conversations we have today um, is, you know, certainly very focused on body image, um, but I will be referencing and talking a little bit about eating disorders and disordered eating um, and body dysmorphia. So we won't go into huge amounts of details about those diagnoses and uh, those sorts of experiences. But um, if you're someone who really struggles still with some of those issues or the content that we talk about might be really triggering, then maybe um, just consider that before you continue listening. Yeah, so there's a couple of aspects. There's the there, there's the clinical side of um, our body image and what kinds of conditions and, and mental health that may be stemming from. And then there's like our just generalized everyday sort of um, stuff that's maybe influenced by those around us or the media. Um, and even to some degree, uh, you know, the fitness industry or um, that's probably about it, isn't it? Or our own expectations on ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So, and I guess as we go along, you know, you'll start to see and hear the links between body image and some of those more complex clinical uh, presentations because it can be a very quick transition from being something that's just more negative about you know, how I view myself to something a lot more complex. Um, so, yeah, I I'll, I'll guess I'll kind of tap into that when we talk about the, the negative impacts um, of poor body image. Um, but going back to what you asked about, I guess, the definition of body image. So put pretty simply, it's the way we think, feel and perceive our bodies, really. So this kind of includes, like, how we actually see ourselves. So when we look in the mirror, what do we see? Our beliefs in our... I guess, assumptions about our appearances um, and how we feel about our body overall. So it's different to body confidence. So 
body confidence, I guess, is a bit more about how confident we are in our bodies. So it's, you know, how confident are we going out and wearing a bikini or being naked in front of our partners, like those sorts of things. Um, so you can still have a, I guess, a positive body image, but lack confidence. So what we're really talking about is more of those kind of beliefs and how we see ourselves as opposed to confidence. Although, as you can see, the two kind of go a little bit hand in hand. Ah, that's interesting because I'm noticing and I'm following a few pages and liking the posts around body confidence online recently. And there are some women out there who are kind of exposing, I guess, some of the tips and tricks of how the female body is presented on Instagram in particular Mm -hmm. versus when they either relax their posture or, um, you know, let it all hang out or take it from a different angle. So that I'm finding all of that really interesting at the moment. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, this is probably jumping out a little bit, but um, (laughs) we are making steps in the right direction, but I think there's still so much more that we can do. Uh, when it comes to body image and trying to, I guess, foster a more positive approach to our own thoughts and feelings about our own bodies and that and body and other people's bodies, really. Yeah. So if body image is about how we um, see ourselves, perceive ourselves and feel about ourselves, um, if we're experiencing uh, negative feelings or um, perception there, what kinds of impacts can that poor body image have on our lives? It's quite huge, really. Um, I mean, it obviously no doubt has an impact on your self-esteem. It certainly increases our risk of mental health uh, diagnoses. So it can increase your risk of um, like disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, And it can also like perpetuate or like worsen um, other diagnoses like social anxiety or social phobia and depression. So using, if you think about, I guess, social anxiety as an example, there's already an increased awareness of a per, how a person behaves and how they feel and how they look in social settings. So if you already have a very negative, um, I guess, view of yourself and your body, that's going to contribute to your already existing kind of social anxiety. Um, there are, uh, I guess, it's normal in the sense that we may have some things that we might want to change about ourselves. Um, and having the the odd kind of negative thought about our appearance, um, but where it becomes much more damaging in terms of our psychological well-being uh, is when those negative thoughts tend to consume a lot of our time, um, and when it starts to impact how we then behave. Um, so we I guess as a species we are very social beings um I guess some people need more socializing than others um but essentially we all want to belong you know we we want to belong to our people we want to belong to our family we want to you know belong to our peers those sorts of things so if you're already feeling quite negative about yourself and you're feeling like you don't fit in with a particular image that's going to increase your social isolation because you're going to feel like you don't belong and then you're going to behave in ways and also look at situations in a very biased way to reinforce Uh, that idea that I don't fit in. 
Can I use what I think might be an example of this that I see here as, you know, a fitness coach with a venue that people can come into and and work out in small groups as well, is that um, the reluctance to, well, the desire to participate, um, but being held back by those negative thoughts that you've just described about themselves and so people will reflect this to me sometimes and I'll be like oh that's you know from my perspective you're you're more than welcome here you're you've Mm. you know everyone um not not oh everyone come here but I mean sort of like there's no reason why you shouldn't be here but they may think otherwise yeah and that's where it's yeah. different, I think, for like for you as a coach or someone who, you know, um, only a facility is there's only really so much you can do to alter that environment. So there's only so much you can do within your coaching and within your facility to try and, I guess, counteract those biases that they already have. Or, you know, it's usually based off of previous experiences that they might have. Um, yeah. All of that work needs to be done internally by that individual, but you know, that go kind of goes beyond a, a coach's role, really. Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. Because uh, I've mentioned this to my staff before that, you know, I've been quite upfront. You will see these kind of behaviours. Mm. Um, you see people who want to make change. They, they want to move towards being that fitter version of themselves. They've got this um, ideal in mind which is something we all work towards like whether we're studying um, for a qualification or doing a craft or something like that we it's because we value um, being that kind of person highly and so you in summer in particular you will see people who want to make that change but these internal things that you mentioned are the things that are holding them back. And I've actually had really upfront discussions with my staff and said, you will see this. It is not your job to fix it. We cannot fix it. All we can do is try to make the space welcoming, friendly and, um, you know, supportive. Um, yeah. But that's that's where our role really stops. We're providing a space for exercise. On, we are not counsellors and you will have people cry and it's, it's not you know it's hard and you want to make that person feel safe if if it does come to that point but yeah we need to be able to draw a line at where our service what our service provides I guess yeah 100 percent. I think you know your approach and that boundary that you put in is is beautiful really because you have that role where people are going to share those more vulnerable sides of themselves um, and they're probably going to share a bit more of their internal world and you know a lot of those kind of negative emotions that they might be feeling and a lot of us you know being in the health and fitness industry it can be very similar to you know being in the counseling or, or psychology industry and in that we all want to help people um, but you're not necessarily yeah. equipped no, no and there is nothing wrong with that you know that's actually perfectly healthy and that is healthy for the person that you're supporting the best thing that you can do is literally just to listen you don't have to solve that's right problems. you don't have to you know use any kind of cognitive behavioral therapy or try and change some of their negative thoughts that you do not need to do that you can you know refer them on for that kind of support but if you're going to be trying to create that kind of welcoming and supporting environment all you need to do is to provide that kind of active listening and empathy that is there without kind of validating I guess their their, I guess their 
experiences so to speak yeah so, an emotional experience because everyone yeah. has a right to that but you're not necessarily sorry validating behavior does that make sense yes so absolutely not going to say to them oh well you know it doesn't matter that you um i don't know that you binged five times last week for example yes um it's not about that it's just saying validating their emotional experience and you know if we you, you know you've mentioned before having people that have come into your facility um, and that you've done coaching with that have often come with a lot of negative experiences that they've had beforehand in other gyms. So even by providing just that active listening and that warmth and support, you're already starting to rewire their brain in terms of their association with the gym and health and fitness and exercising. Um, so it may not be that you're changing their thoughts or their cognitions. You're actually helping to support, I guess, rewire the brain in a different way. If there's one thing <laughs> I've learned being a coach, it's that I cannot change anyone's thoughts. No. No. <laughs> um, you can, yeah, you can offer a different way of looking at things. But what we hope ultimately that if people can, if we can provide a space that, that is conducive to people maybe overcoming some of the things that hold them back, that exercise is going to really support an increasing confidence and hopefully. But there are instances where it doesn't as well at the same time, I would say. And I did just want to throw a curveball at you. Sorry, Tanya. <laughs> I know we were going to stay on track. Um, but in regards, you mentioned that humans uh, naturally want to belong. I would say I'm probably on the lower end of that as a personality type, but there would be instances. Well, I want to be, I want to be accepted by my clients, obviously, yeah. and certain, and even you, even yeah. by participating in this, like, cause I respect you as a professional and, you know, so I guess that's a little bit, but as a general rule, I've never been one who wants to go with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not driven by that but I do understand that a lot of people are and I do sometimes wonder is there there sometimes a negative side a downside to this whole you know when we say community we automatically assume it's a positive influence on a person's life yeah potentially not and you and I just before we we started this episode we touched on some of the the bodybuilding culture as well so I mean while that's a very individual orientated goal, you could be influenced by those around you, like mm -hmm. um, in potentially a negative way, maybe. Yeah, definitely. And I think two things in that, um, I guess, going back to what you're saying about, you know, belonging and, and that that can be very individual depending on, like you said, personality types and, and whatnot. Um, and I guess there's a difference between belonging and conformity. So that kind of yes. need, yeah, need for belonging is, is like a need for connection. So knowing my place within, whether it's my family or within my peers or, you know, those sorts of things, but where we start to see if there is feelings of disconnection and they feel, people feel like they don't belong, then there is that kind of pattern to want to conform. And I think that's very different. I think what you're trying to say maybe there is that you don't feel the need to conform for the sake of belonging to especially to a culture that may be more negative rather than positive yeah my my brain automatically goes well if I have to do that to be accepted I don't want to that's just I don't know but I guess um 
bringing it back to the fitness space I yeah you could I mean I could potentially negatively influence someone unknowingly Mm -hmm. by saying okay you want to get fit this is what you need to do yeah you need to be here every day smashing it out you need to work until you're on the floor crying um you know and I might think that's quite reasonable but it might not be for that person yeah exactly and if you're saying that to all of like hypothetically if you were saying that to all of your clients then you would start to see that culture shift and that kind of very unhealthy culture start to um to emerge and you know like you use the example of the bodybuilding um culture it kind of feeds into what I was going to say a little bit about social media as well in that what we spend our most of our times visually like viewing and yes. being in becomes our norm right so the the brain starts to believe that that is our normal yes you will your behavior will start to alter so that you can fit in with that normal because if you don't then you're isolated and you're segregated and that is a huge issue for us as human beings and when, and that's not always necessarily a conscious process so you may not even know that that's what you're doing there might just be yeah I guess behaviors that you start to do that might be quite small changes or shifts that start to um, align more with the culture within that norm if that makes sense so our brains are you saying that our brains are wired to try to fit in with what what we um take in visually yeah ah and that would be a protective measure right um evolutionary (laughs) from an evolutionary perspective that would have been like to keep us safe yeah but now now we've got more visual input than ever before yeah yeah so you can start to see now the relationship between, um, I guess, yeah, an increase in access to visual stimuli such as, you know, social media and higher rates of eating disorders, you know, negative poor body image, depression, anxiety. In fact, all mental health disorders are increasing. So there, it, it's usually called like this concept of visual adaptation. So, you know, it's essentially the more you see a particular image, the more your brain adapts to believe that that's the norm. And then again, you fit, you will start to behave in ways that fit this normal. And, you know, you mentioned that that's, you know, we can put that down to evolution. Um, and that that is 100% right. Because even though, you know, our culture and our world and our society has changed um, over, you know, hundreds of years, our brain is still, the structures are still the same. And the purpose of our brain is to thrive and survive so to do that if you are you know ostracized or you're isolated from a community then you are going to experience those um like negative thoughts about yourself that can also then increase your risk um, of depression and then you're going to further avoid those social situations and you know if you think about decades or years of that you know the outcome is not very positive unfortunately well, you're potentially going to avoid like your face-to-face social interactions like coming to the gym, like going to um, dinners out with your friends or a night out, um, family gatherings, um, those 
are important for us, right? And you may potentially, if I'm listening to you correctly, so people may then be spending more time online because they're sitting at home consuming more of this media that's making them feel that way but they don't necessarily realise. I mean, I think we all realise there's a bit of an influence there but if you're saying that it's more like even it's much deeper than we realise subconsciously. Um, So if we have, say, I'm scrolling Instagram all the time, I'm looking at all these other amazing trainers with their lean bodies and their pumped up muscles and that's getting me down gradually like, and then I'm not getting myself out and about into face-to-face social situations that are probably healthier for me. So I'll start avoiding those and then I'll stay home and scroll more and, be- and experience potentially even more um, poor, um, poor body image and even mental health. Yeah, exactly. And then every time that you're scrolling, it's just reinforcing those beliefs and those negative thoughts that you already have about my, about yourself. Yeah, that's um, that you've just explained that really, really well, because I think that we all know, like most of the people I talk to um, around my age and sort of experience with life, we understand that there is something happening where people are becoming a little bit more disconnected mm-hmm. and there's there's obviously, um, you know, poor mental health outcomes, although I'm sure it's arguable whether, you know, maybe people just didn't manage mental health or talk about it so much previously. Um, but you, there is a tendency maybe to believe that it's because a person... <sighs> I don't want to say I don't want to say it's their fault but maybe there's like a bit of a tendency to go oh people just need to get off social media yeah but if it's happening that um gradually and you know behind in into subconscious mind what can we really do about that yeah and I think you highlight an important thing that and I had a a really interesting discussion with a friend of mine this week about technology and social media specifically, actually. And, you know, I mean, we could just turn around and say, we'll just get off social media. Um, Is that a practical strategy? Well, it's not realistic, really. And I think that there is still a lot of power that social media can have. And especially generations, you know, even well you know, after my generation that have grown up in an, you know, in a time where social media is everything. That is their norm. You know, to try and tell someone, well, you just have to not do that is completely invalidating their whole life experience, really. Yes. Uh, So instead of trying to fight social media, we should be trying to educate and work with social media. So what can we actually do so that you can still sit and scroll on on Instagram? I mean, you know, I know all of these things in terms of the negative impacts it can have as well, but I'm still on Instagram. Uh Yeah. You know. I know that half the fitness um, stuff I see isn't legit. Although I would say I probably follow, I probably curate my, um, you know, pages, accounts that I follow a little bit more in line with my own worldviews so I don't tend to... Um, get too much of that stuff but um, I'm still aware that you know a lot of it's not um, legit and yeah you do still scroll you still look at it yeah it's interesting yeah (laughs) 
where I think there's there's a difference between like you were saying before, like most of us know that, you know, it's not a lot of the pictures aren't legit. We know that, you know, consuming particular types of social media is not good for us. But it comes down to that next step of actually doing that self-reflection. So bringing all that subconscious stuff into our consciousness and going, okay, well, how much is that actually impacting my decisions and how I behave and how I think about myself? Um, And then you can start to change behaviour and then take that a step further and go, okay, well, I'm going to go through my my the people who I follow on Instagram and I'm really going to consider the emotions that come up for me and the thought processes when I look at their content. So, you know, do I look at their content and go, oh, I wish I looked like that? Well, that's probably not the right person to be following. Um, and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with influencers either. Like I don't want to drag them through the mud, um, but I think we need to be realistic about what is actually healthy consumption and healthy pages to to follow when it comes to social media because it's not about necessarily having all um like all images of let's just say the average size either because what we need to be I guess um looking at and holding on to is variability across humans right because we're all different we all have different bodies we have different body shapes so we want variety in our content so there's nothing wrong with still having the occasional image there of someone who I don't know might be a bodybuilder or going in bikini competitions for example there's nothing wrong with having that as a one-off but if all your content that you're seeing is just of that particular physique then that is not going to be healthy for you it's not going to be promoting I guess, um, resilience in yourself and creating, I guess, a more realistic and visual environment for your brain. Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, you make a really good point about that. We tend to um, we tend to just consume content online that confirms our own bias or that we, yeah, that we do like. And if we are seeing, if that's all we're seeing, that's probably not healthy. But from a practical standpoint, so if a person is noticing that they're experiencing negative thoughts and feelings towards their body uh, that's 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 the first step really isn't it so if you find that it's stopping you from doing things as I mentioned before in my own experience or that of a person who wants to get fit but cannot bring themselves to that or people will say things like I need to get fit first before I go to the gym yeah and yeah, um, so if a person recognises that they're not living maybe the life that they would like to live due to the way they're feeling and thinking mm. about their body, then the next step then um, what you're saying is to do a bit of self-reflection, a bit of an audit on what media you're consuming. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, it's a, yeah, step one, actually, like you said, being that having that increased self-awareness and the awareness of um you know the content that you're consuming um yeah and then moving from there into evaluating or like you said doing that kind of audit of you know what kind of emotions does it that bring up for me am I getting variety in my content um and is this serving me well um what are my kind of processes and my patterns yeah Um, yeah because I think it can be it can be difficult to to really acknowledge some of the negative thoughts that you do have about your own body and about yourself 
um, because our thoughts are so automatic. And this yes. is, you know, the, the benefits of mindfulness and meditation really come into play because we are so busy um, that we never, well, not never, but a lot of the times we don't stop and slow down and actually evaluate and really listen to those negative thoughts you know a lot of us will just it'll pop into it to our mind we either pay too much attention to it or we just bury it I would say is it do women in particular consider it normal to make a negative comment about parts of their body that is an interesting question I would say yes I do it I, I still do it sometimes. I'm a bit more mindful these days. I'm just getting older. But, and, you know, you kind of, you get older and you kind of go, oh, well, you know, yeah. I'm not going to waste time on that. But it's something that I notice and I even have clients who say things like, I won't wear shorts in summer because I don't like my legs. I won't wear the clothes that I really want to wear, the the workout gear that I really want to wear because I don't like my body and it makes me, I don't think that about them. So here's another thing. I look at all shapes and sizes all the time and and can appreciate uh, the, can appreciate them and go, oh, she looks really good. I like that about her body or whatever, but why can't we do that to ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really difficult, but I really think that's a fascinating question. I'm still kind of sitting on that actually and processing that question because it kind of goes goes into what I've talked to clients before about um, like body confidence and I guess being really positive about ourselves and, you know, being able to talk to people about things that we really like about ourselves and like strengths-based stuff, right? Often we're almost we've been primed you know through society that if we talk really positively about ourselves um or if we really we love positive, ourselves yeah we love ourselves that yeah, that's full of ourselves. a negative thing like that that's narcissistic or you know and I wonder whether there is this new norm within our culture that we need to have some part of ourselves that we don't like it's almost like that whole, you know, craze around self-development, which, you know, yes. that as well. But it's like, okay, what have I got to change? What have I got to improve on instead of being able to sit and really accept who we are for us and being okay with that? So what kinds of practical strategies? I've heard you mention um, a couple that yeah. come to my mind, just really laying it out for the listeners. is yeah. um, So if um, some practical strategies to maybe start practising some more positive comments and and thoughts and feelings towards your body is you mentioned mindfulness so from my understanding of mindfulness in this context would potentially be that you if you have a negative thought name it and then maybe flip it that's more of a cognitive behavioral therapy Uh, it's not (laughs) don't worry it's not a bad thing um it is part of the strategies right and look there are, there's a bunch of different I guess therapeutic approaches or techniques that people can use um, and there's no right or wrong in terms of which one it's just whatever's going to work best for you so um, you can do that I think you picked up on the first thing which is to be able to just notice those thoughts um, you pay attention to them you then pause 
and then you take breaths. So you or let it go. Yeah, you mindfulness yeah. more around, like noticing the thought but not buying into it. Yes, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, and getting back into your body and back into your sensations and your experience of that thought as well without rather than running away with it yeah yeah. yes so I'm on board now yeah yeah Um, no that's perfect that's good yes a lot of knowledge about it which is awesome so there are a few yeah different ways to I guess shift your thoughts um without suppressing and burying them it's you know noticing that they're there pausing um and breathing and then this is something that I've heard, I guess, a few um, like colleagues use and I've actually heard, like listened to a few TED Talks and things where people have used the same thing where we then want to tap into feelings of love and compassion for yourself so that you're essentially, again, rewiring your brain from having negative feelings attached to that negative thought whilst, you know, we obviously want to change that negative thought down the track um, if we can at least work on tapping into those feelings of love and compassion for yourself so looking at moving away from that thought of uh let's say um uh, I hate my stretch marks or something uh moving away from that to I really appreciate you know say for example it's you've got stretch marks from pregnancy it might be I really appreciate my body and that it was able to carry my son and my daughter um or it might be um my partner really loves um, my curves or something. Yeah. Really, um, I was thinking about this a lot around even just body image itself because there's all this movement around body positivity, so being kind towards yourself and then projecting that onto others and that kind of stuff. But part of the problem is that we're actually too focused and too aware on our body and that our bodies aren't images our bodies are experiences and they're, they're part of, of us. So that's where I kind of get a bit torn around, well, changing thoughts, you know, and appreciating things about ourselves, but looking at ourselves as a whole rather than specific parts of our body, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, but, yeah. yeah. Like there's so, so in the example of the client who doesn't wear shorts because they don't like their bigger legs, they're just naturally that way, right? Well, a lot of it does come down to genetics and that includes the people that we consume these images of. They are genetically um, blessed. They, that's why they end up in images because they're um, photogenic. Anyway, so the client with the, the bigger legs rather than saying, I hate, wearing shorts because of my legs uh I love my legs for squatting heavy yeah I love they're them powerful strong. they're strong yeah yeah um no I think that's a really good practical strategy but would definitely I, th- I like the idea of the mindfulness and going back to your body yeah. your sensations rather than because we could sit there and we could we might look in the mirror and go oh my god I hate this or that I hate my big butt or whatever and then you just start thinking oh I wonder if other people look at it and oh my god I can't wear that and what's you start running off with all these scenarios that don't even potentially really exist yeah yeah you end up just hurting yourself in that in that experience and like and the more 
you know, thinking about it from a brain perspective, the more you experience that thought, the stronger that that neural pathway in your brain is and the harder it will be to shift. And yes, yeah. You know, a bit of a reminder around strategies. Often we want such a quick fix with this kind of stuff that we expect that any strategy is going to work straight away. And the reality is, especially with anything that's going to rewire the brain, you need to, like we need to remember that, Every time you have that thought or that feeling or that experience or that memory, it's strengthening that neural pathway and the brain uses more of those stronger pathways um, and the, the weaker ones over time tend to get lost. So we're trying to create a whole new neural pathway that needs repetition and it needs things to back it up. So uh, needs repetition, just like your muscles in training, it's practice. Exactly. It's exactly yep. the same. And you need the right environment so that that new neural pathway, that new thought is going to be positively reinforced. So this is another kind of strategy that I suppose it's a strategy, but considering who's in your circle. And do they provide positive reinforcement or do they provide negative reinforcement? Because it kind of, it made me think back to when like there was a period in my life where I'd lost like 10 kilos uh, and not necessarily through a healthy way. It was just being very stressed and my body just didn't want to eat. Um, but the amount of positive reinforcement I got and the attention I got from people oh, was yes. phenomenal, right? It was the, you look fantastic, you know, it was all really positive. And yeah, pretty much just made me want to keep doing what I was doing, even though that logical part of my brain went, this is crazy, you can't keep, not that I was actively doing it, my, I just needed to calm down and, you know, get into a more relaxing environment, really. So yes. The system could come back online and just, yeah, chill. Um, you know, and over time, like that did happen, but I've also had friends that have had, um, like banding surgery and things like that. Um, and I look at the comments on their pictures that they put up and we're always commenting on how people look. So you look strong or you look happy or you look great. Um, and that's actually just reinforcing this already idea that I need to look a particular way for people to like me, for me to be worth something. Um, of course we really... look that way in the photo. We posted it for that reason. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I think the one thing we can, yeah, we we can do is to be just a bit more mindful of that um, and maybe talk, because I was thinking about this before we jumped on and I was like, well, what can we do instead then? Like what do we want people to say, say you do achieve some of your weight loss goals and you are feeling great and it's been a really healthy process like that's great what would we want people to to say um and I think that we should be commenting more on people's energies and their um you know their vibe or you know it could be that, yeah you know you seem to have a really you know um happy vibe about you you know or so that we're not commenting around on what people look oh, like. Oh, so not literally saying you look happy. Yeah. I guess it's just a bit of a habit of people, oh, yeah. isn't it? But I do strongly believe that a practical strategy for everybody could be to stop commenting on people's appearances because we don't know what's happened behind the scenes there. We don't know how they feel about their body. Yeah. And I we think don't we, know what's yeah. going on. 
Yeah, and I think most people's intentions are really positive. Like we want to give someone a compliment um, and maybe we need to think about better ways of, of giving those compliments. So I like to say things like you've been showing up really consistently. Well done. Yeah, well, that's you know. a great, yeah, great example. Yeah, I try not to to do those kinds of things here because I, I've been um, quite skinny myself in the past and, and not deliberately either. I was much younger, but I didn't understand um, how body weight works or anything I understand now looking back I now know why I was such a low body weight but I didn't understand it at the time I used to get upset and cry um at how skinny I was I hated it hated how I felt weak um the boys used to pick on me at school as well and call me Angie Rexic um I probably gave it back to them as well but when I think back at that um (laughs) I would 100% have given it back to them. But, you know, like not understanding why that was at the time and um, not having a sense of control over it, I think that's really and, – and having people commenting all the time, like relatives, um, school friends, um, anyone who wanted to, it's, it's not a nice feeling. No. And so I think I've always been mindful – not to comment on how somebody looks and also when you talk about you know even when people do they put in the hard yards for a short amount of time on a fitness program and they lose a lot of weight and they've got their before their before and after it's a moment in time it's only really like you say what did you say before your body is not an image yeah it's it's a whole experience your weight fluctuates your motivation levels fluctuate you um if people are reinforcing the time where you put 110 percent in but you can't necessarily always do that in your life because you're going to have other things come up that take priority um then what does that tell you it's yeah it's this cycle of sending people back down paths of sort of overdoing it in my opinion yeah yeah definitely um you know and I think we too forget that can't remember what that movie was I feel like it had was it Amy Schumer in it, it was what like a uh, body positivity one I can't remember what that movie was called anyway was it a comedy kind of yeah it was like a feel-good kind of comedy I think oh okay but the message I had a very a very intense conversation with my mother about it at the time um because I didn't like the messaging in it a lot what the way that coming from your professional perspective I've read yeah definitely professional perspective because um the messages it was almost sending was like anti-skinny bodies it was pretty shaming of those who and like really using a lot of stereotypes it was I just okay I didn't like it um you know and I think that we we need to remember that um, we don't know the person in front of us. We don't know how they view their own bodies either. I think that we make way too many dangerous assumptions that, you know, oh, they're, they're really skinny, so they must, must be happy, you know. But yes. there are expectations on every, everybody's bodies, if that makes sense. Like yes. now the in thing is that, you know, curves are a ring. You hear that all the time. Um, and that, you know, your experience of when you were younger, 
um, being labelled too skinny. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and not knowing what to do about it. Yeah, like, well, what should we look like then? And the reality is there is no should. There is no normal at all. We need to get rid of the word normal. Yes. Um, Or even average. We are just bodies. We are our own bodies, and I think we need to move to a space of body acceptance that, you know, does certainly tap into body positivity, but... I think that we just need to accept ourselves as we are and our bodies as they are. And like you said, accept that they are going to change throughout our lives. Um, Yeah. And I've got a friend who is, you know, um, genetically slim and she's in an environment where everyone's like strong is, you know, strong is the new skin and she doesn't really like those messages either. And, And there isn't really a lot that she can do about her body type either. Yeah, and I, I listened to this this podcast. Um, it's an American podcast, and she said something that I think a lot of people in the health and fitness industry would probably find really uncomfortable. Even I found it a little bit uncomfortable until I really heard what she was saying, which is there's this, I guess, assumption or this, um, I'm trying to use the right word here, necessarily believed that to be healthy there is to be moral so yes values but yeah yeah what's right and wrong so that healthy is is right and I kind of I I felt really a bit uneasy about that at the start because I was like well we should all want to be healthy but where is that even coming from where's my assumption of we should all want to be healthy because at the end of the day who dictates dictates that well there's there's a whole there's a range of um there's pillars of health right I think I've heard yeah. of right? pillars or um there's all aspects of health and I t- health I nearly said health I nearly I touched on this on um a post I did um recently around so okay so you might be in the pursuit of fat loss but that's only one aspect of your health and in most cases yeah a little bit of fat loss does improve health but as you said before it's how you go about it yeah um and does it negatively impact the other areas of your health like your social life your um emotional well-being your financial well-being even um yeah i think i've missed one there or yeah, even some instances of fat loss can negatively influence your nutritional outcomes. Yeah. So I'll just leave that there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's the assumption that, yeah, healthy is the main thing to be aiming for when there are a lot of facets of health. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you've explained that that really well. Um, so I guess in, in summary with around like strategies and what we can actually do to improve our body image is to have that increased self-awareness um, of your own internal processes so your own thoughts and feelings to try some of those pause breathe um, try and tap into some of those experiences of love and compassion for yourself um, you know move away from labeling our bodies and looking at it as an image um, and then to look at our in- environment so once we've kind of dealing with some of those internal things, what can I do that are external? So um, looking at your social media content, um, 
some of your social circles? Are they kind of reinforcing uh, unhealthy thought processes or are they kind of people that are more positive or can I actually have a conversation with some of my social supports? So should I be, you know, talking to my best friend more about how I view my body and can I start to change? Because if we think about it, if it's a, you know, culture contributes to all of this stuff that we're talking about, it can take one person to start to change that culture because if you start to model for people what the changes that you're making in terms of, you know, you might be um, going shopping with a friend and you say, you know, um, I think this would look awesome on me. I really like how it brings out my blue eyes or whatever. Oh, yeah. We can then, you know, we model that to our friends and they start to feel like they could probably do that more themselves and then it's a bit of a like a domino effect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've been tr- stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit in the hopes of, you know, doing this within the fitness industry as well. And, I mean, I'm not getting out there and putting my roles on social media. I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm more than happy to look at that content and I find it really positive. Um, but even in terms of just the expectation of what I as a fitness trainer will post mm-hmm. on social media. And I was saying to a friend recently, I've been posting parts of my workouts just to show it's a process of training. You know, here I am doing the same exercise again. Guess what? Um, anyway, but also that I'm not getting myself all primped and preened for this. And I'm not throwing shade on the women who do, but I feel that it's, they do it for, um, because we've been socialized to think that um, women in fitness is associated with being sexy all the time. So I'm popping myself up there as a bit of a dag in the hopes that, you know, well, this is who I am, A, as a person, and B, um, it doesn't have to be sexualized. I still get inboxes on some of my posts regardless. So, I mean, Gosh. why bother putting on makeup? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, this is just all very much lighthearted. But yeah. my thought process is like, can I start to get people to stop thinking that fitness needs to be so extreme, a big glamorous event, and it's just part of your everyday life. And I'm, you know, at the moment... I've got a bit of extra lockdown kilos on too. And I'm not training because of that. I'm training because I like to train. Yeah. So, yeah. But p- part of that process is also I'm going to throw another little spanner in the works here, maybe, potentially. You might have an answer. But I've always hated having my photo taken mm. or even hearing myself speak or yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. But, you know, you just kind of get over it in this day and age to a degree as a business owner who wants to sort of put stuff like this out there. Um, I have touched on this in another podcast episode with my photographer who does the photos for my business shoots, um, Kristen Clapham. So that was episode 16. Um, and we she feels very passionately about, you know, women um, having more self-acceptance and um, being beautiful as they are. And it's something that I've always struggled with. So we've spoken about that. Is it a strategy, what I've just described, to be like to just put yourself out there regardless if you don't like seeing yourself? So it's in a way almost exposure therapy. Um, (laughs) And look, this is often used with um, 
I don't know if you you know much about body dysmorphia. Um, no. But I mean, I'm sure yeah. I may have come across people with it. Well, yeah, and, you know, the the, the rates are around about 1 in 50 people. Um, oh, well, then I definitely would have. Yeah, and there's so much shame around this disorder that I'm, my assumption would be that the rates could actually be much higher than that. Um, because people <laughs> won't come forward and talk about it? Yeah, so it's essentially you know, body image issues on steroids, really. Um, so it's a, it's a mental illness um, where there's persistent and constant worrying and negative thoughts about, you know, slight perceived like slight defects in appearances. Um, so it's not to the point where I have the occasional negative thought about myself. Um, it is constant. So it's, it's an anxiety-based disorder, so similar to like obsessive-compulsive disorder in that there is obsessions about um, the way that someone looks. Um, but sometimes the, the things that they don't like about their appearance um, can be very small or they can be um, bigger things, but often things that are beyond what we would call like rational or realistic. Um, so they, t they can have very distorted views of themselves. Um, and often that involves like either constant checking of appearance in mirrors or complete like avoidance of that. So um, and interestingly, they have one of the highest rates of suicides um, oh. in the mental health disorder. Um, and, you know, they're often labelled with the ones that kind of go and get huge amounts of plastic surgery. Yes. Um, so, oh, now I've lost where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right, graded exposure. Exposure. Um, exposure therapy, yes. So often that's how we assist people with body dysmorphia to start to rewire their brains when they look in the mirror um so you say for example like you said gave the example of the photography um and having a photo taken and that brings up some negative um feelings for you we shouldn't avoid that i mean you don't want to go over the top and you know be super uncomfortable and do things that go against your values it's more okay well i'm still going to do it even though i don't like the sound of my voice or i don't like um that you know the lighting doesn't make me look flattering or whatever it might yes. be. Um, I'm still going to go ahead and do it. And that's where you practice these strategies that um, we've mentioned in today's podcast. So that's where you would start to notice the thoughts. That's where you would um, start to breathe and you would bring in some of that love and compassion for yourself and start to, I guess, change some of those thoughts um, into more kinder, positive thoughts towards yourself. A little bit like facing your fears and yeah. then yeah that's oh well it. thank you Tanya yeah. that's really really helpful you've shared some amazing insights there I guess um we, we've touched on experiences um strategies we can employ ourselves but when should a person seek help um out like uh, professional help yeah, look, this is an awesome question, um, especially because like you had mentioned before with some of your coaches, you're still going to come across people that might you might need to redirect um, or like we mightn't actually know when is the time to go and get psychological support um, or counselling help for this kind of stuff. So the first thing is um, to notice how often you're having these thoughts. So are they coming up multiple times a day? You know, is it consuming a lot of your time? How long do they last for? 
Are you then starting to have changes in your mood? So are you noticing that because of those thought processes that you're having, um, that you're feeling quite depressed, uh, there might be feelings of loneliness or disconnection, that they're big kind of red flags to go and get some support. Um, and then if it starts to impact on your daily life. So if you start to notice that you're not going to as many social gatherings, you're pulling away from family, you're spending lots of time at home, spending more time on social media. Um, if you're noticing changes in your eating patterns or your relationship with food, they are all big indicators that you probably need to go and get some psychological support. Um, if we're looking at more prevention, um, or kind of preventing it getting to the stage where you know you are at more risk of other mental health illnesses um, then if you feel like you could benefit from talking to a counsellor um, about the way that you view your body um, then you can certainly go at any time really. How can people find you and the work that you do as well Tanya? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's the raw psychologist. So I did a rebrand. I mentioned it in the last podcast. Um, uh, the reason I guess why I have that pl this platform is I want to create lots of raw conversations. So um, I'm very big on vulnerability and talking about the hard stuff. Um, another kind of post that I did yesterday that's very kind of relevant to, I guess, to the body image space is around toxic positivity. So oh, I yes. kind of write lots of content that can be quite broad and quite specific. Just mention how I'm loving your um, I, graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm learning the world of social media. I'm certainly not a tech savvy person, um, but look, I'm really passionate in a time where accessibility to mental health professionals is really, really low. Um, and I would rather try and, uh, I guess, educate people with little bits of resources and support um, and to try and change or to create a bit of a culture of, of getting raw um, and, I guess, learning how to be a bit more vulnerable with one another. Um, so I'm very hopeful that I can reach as many people as possible um, to provide support, um, but people are welcome to sort of comment on the post, welcome to send messages, um, and I think we normally put my email down the bottom. So if there's anything more formal, yes. so I do have a business as well. Um, I'm not currently taking on online clients, but I may be in the future. That's a, to be advised. Um, yep. We will keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment and that's where you can find me. Awesome. So I'm going to link that stuff in the show notes. And once again, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I really love our chats and um, we hope to have you back on again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. It's been um, wonderful as always.